Hey guys, thank you so much for listening in this week. I know we are in the middle of the holiday season and I'm grateful that you are getting to spend some time with me. Now, I have decided to run the best two episodes that we had in our first season of the Success Beyond the Lens podcast, and I can't wait for you to hear them. If you're re-listening, I hope that you get new insight in today's episode, and we are with Caitlin Magnuson of the Freelancers CFO and I love her so much. I actually just hired her into my business just a couple of months ago, and the difference it has made is astronomical. First of all, she knows taxes and finances inside and outside for photographers, for business owners, for entrepreneurs, and it is a lifesaver for me. Her and I have been working together for actually the last three years. She was one of my very first business expenses, and it has paid dividends over the years. I started my business off on the right foot financially, and three years later, we were able, actually less than three years later, we were able to switch me from an LLC to an S-Corp. I am running my own payroll. Well, Caitlin runs my payroll, but I'm I'm on my payroll, which is such an incredible feeling. It's helping me budget. It's helping me run my business financially sound. It's literally been life-changing, and it's only been three months. I am so excited to continue the journey with her next year and really see where our business takes off as far as our finances go. I'm so, so glad that she's on my team. And in this episode, you're going to realize just how much knowledge, experience, and awesome advice she's able to give you. And she is going to be talking about the do's and don'ts in finances as photographers. About 80% of Caitlin's clients are photographers. She knows the business. She knows the rules. She knows the laws. And she is here to help you run a successful photography business and have you not be worried about tax fraud, as I know most business owners are. So give this one a listen. If you're catching the replay, let me know. Tag me in your stories at Success Beyond the Lens or Success Beyond the Lens podcast. I'm really looking forward to connecting with our viewers more in the new year. We have some really awesome guests coming on, and I am really happy to be bringing you this reboot. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays, and I hope you are enjoying it safely and with your loved ones. Hey y'all, it's Jen, your host of the Success Beyond the Lens podcast and CEO of Success Beyond the Lens, a business management and marketing company for photographers. On this podcast, I'm going to be giving you the actual tips and advice I use every day to run my clients' businesses. I'm also going to be interviewing some awesome professional photographers, marketing experts, Facebook ad gurus, and so many more to ensure you are running a well-rounded business. So grab your coffee or your wine or maybe a glass of water and let's dive in. Hey guys, thank you for joining for another episode of the Success Beyond the Lens podcast. I am Jen, your host, and today I am chatting with Caitlin 
Magnuson, the millennial money expert. She is phenomenal. I have been working with her for over two years myself, and she teaches you how to automate your money and hit big financial goals while still buying your daily latte and your weekend brunch. Y'all, she is not your parents' money expert. And I have been following her and using her in my own business, like I said, for a couple of years now. And this girl walks what she talks and she knows her stuff frontwards and backwards. I'm ridiculously stoked to introduce you to Caitlin today. Caitlin, thank you so much for coming on the episode. I'm so excited so to dive into me. what you have. Oh, no, I've been looking forward to this. So I'm really excited. And thank you for that glowing introduction. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. So tell me a little bit about you, about what you do, who you are, where you're at. You guys, I just have to tell you, she has chickens and she's like obsessed with them. If you see her brand photography, it includes her chickens. It's the best thing ever. I will say Dory was a really good model and I'm actually having another shoot in a couple of weeks out at the new place. And I'm so excited because I have all the chickens out here. and We're going to have multiple chickens in the next photo shoot. So it'll be a good thing. Yeah. I'm a chicken freak. Um, (laughs) yeah, it's fun. So about me, God, I have been in business in some way, shape or form for over 10 years now. And I, I was really like, if we go way back, I have always been really, really phenomenally good at math. Like numbers are just something that come really easily to me. And I ended up with this phenomenal opportunity in college at this little like hole in the wall business and was mentored by this brilliant, brilliant woman who taught me the majority of what really got me started, you know, how to do true bookkeeping, reconciliation, thinking outside of the box, not just going through the motions and working with small businesses to do things the right way, but also to do things the accurate way. I was working in a lot of e-commerce and apparel and retail where you have some really complicated costing because you actually have all the raw materials go into like making a shirt or making a pair of pants and being able to track all of that and track the inventory was very important and took a little break from that for a bit, went into corporate, dealt with some sales tax, um, taxability, use tax. God, I mean, that was, that was a whole foray and a half and then ended up in another one doing, um, payroll, like really nitty gritty behind the scenes payroll. And all of those really worked cohesively together to give me the base that I have now. Um, Not only have I worked with hundreds of small business owners, but I've also had the corporate experience and the other backgrounds to really flesh out what I do so that I know one, where my strengths are and two, you know, where you need to go because I've been there myself as a business owner. You know, I've walked through getting to be an S corp and growing my business and I know where the landmarks are, but I've also, I've really had a very eclectic background that has served me really well for running my own business. I love that. And I think I think it's so interesting for entrepreneurs especially to look back on their previous employment and see like what you take away from each job to bring into your own business. Cuz I look at that over, you know, I worked in various businesses and and that kind of thing for 10 years, being a waitress and a Mm -hmm. retail manager and a bank teller and all of the things. I just take little bits and pieces from each of those jobs. And now I have this, this business and I can see, you know, even in like my customer service, I can see where I was like, I use the same type of verbiage or body language in Mm -hmm. some cases, like I did as a waitress when I was 18. So it's interesting to, no, that makes to like sense. look back. Yeah, no, it it is. And it's, 
you know, all of it felt so disjointed at the time. And my parents probably thought mm-hmm. I was completely loony. Because they're like, why are you at another job? I'm like, well, one, I was bored. <laughs> and but then you look back on it and you're like, okay, this all like the universe, you know, God, whatever you had, like had an eye for where I was going with it and was just like, yep, these are the things you need to be able to be successful. So now, God, I mean, I, I do a little bit of everything, uh, taxes, bookkeeping, financial, like forecasting and planning and financial strategy, um, personal finance. And really, I feel like my strong suit is when personal and business overlap. Um, I work with all exclusively entrepreneurs. I work with a few people that, you know, have very simple taxes and financial lives because they just have a nine to five and nothing else. <laughs> um, but for the most part, yeah, it's, it's that sweet spot where you're like, how can my business support my life and mm-hmm. where there, there's just a lot going on there. So I can bring a lot of value with like, well, if you're doing this in your business, you can then maximize this on your personal. And then they just, they work together much better that way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I know one of your, I don't know if you would be called like taglines, but maybe your catchphrases is that you're not your parents' money export expert. Can you let me know a little bit about what you mean by that, how it's influencing how you talk to your clients and their business? Yes. Um, so <laughs> there, I, I work with a lot of millennials, some Zoomers and some Gen Xers. But what you're going to see is that our world, our economic world, and the reality of our finances are so different from that of our parents or our grandparents. And so a lot Mm -hmm. of traditional financial advice doesn't necessarily hold true and can actually lead to a real shame spiral with a lot of people in my generation. I'm firmly in the millennial age range. And you know, student loans are just, they're a thing. I don't have yeah. them, but I'm one of the outliers that doesn't have student loans. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, that's because back in the day, you could afford to pay for college outright while working part-time, and then you could buy a house on one income. You know, for example, my parents bought a house 12 years before me, a mile down the road from where my first house was, their house was a thousand dollars less than mine. And mine was a third of the size. And so that's they're you know, 12 years, 12 years. Yeah. And so you, your, your money just doesn't go as far. And my parents had always told me, you know, Oh, always plan. If you get married, like live off of one income, that's not realistic for the majority of people. So many people mm-hmm. have to, you know, if you have a family and if you don't have children, you have to have two incomes, even if you're not living in a high cost of living area. Yeah. And that is where, you know, the traditional financial advice of like set money aside for retirement, like do your thing, clock in at your job, go work for 40 years, and then you can retire and have social security. Like, yeah, that may have worked for parents and grandparents, but that's not necessarily like, I, I don't plan on having social security when I'm older. If it's there, great. And that's what I work with a lot of my clients on. I look at it as like a potential bonus, but I'm not counting on that. So for me, that looks really different. And I also don't want to work until I'm 70. I, I may, but I don't want to have to work. And so I'm working to create create financial freedom for myself by having the options. I have alternative investments. Like, yes, I'm putting money into traditional retirement accounts, but you can't draw on those until you're 59 and a half without penalties. So there's a whole bunch of different strategies that I implement that are not there traditional generally in higher earning areas, because like, say, you know, if you're a millionaire and you're putting money into retirement and you max your retirement out, you're like, okay, I have extra money. Where does that need to go? Well, instead we're going to flip that. And we're going to say, if you want to have a chance at retiring or at being able to touch your money before 59 and a half, we need to actually think like that millionaire and have money in other investments. 
And maybe you have a nine to five and you have a side hustle. That's really common. I'd say probably half of my clients have that. So how can we maximize that? Whether you're planning to stay at your day job or you're planning to quit your day job to go full time. And I have a mix of both, but like where, you know, so that may mean you're like outsourcing. That may mean that you're not going to become an S corp, but what can we do for retirement? What can we do for future you? Whereas like having a second job outside of that, like that's not something my parents would have ever thought of doing. Mm-hmm. And like, they looked at me again, like I was crazy. They're like, why are you running this business? Why are you putting the stress on yourself? Well, because frankly, I feel like for most of us, if you ever want to get ahead and really build wealth, you, you kind of have to have that going for a bit. And it's just a right. state of affairs. That's so good. I think it's really interesting to, to hear just a total spin on, or a 180 rather, on what we normally hear. Like my parents grew up, and I, and I know you've talked about this a little bit in your group, you know, with Dave Ramsey's philosophy on money. And I look at how I've managed or mismanaged money over the last, you know, few years. And when... I implement more of the things that you're talking about versus, you know, trying to scrimp and scrap and save and, and pay off and all of this. I, my credit's better. My, my like quality of life feels better. Cause I'm not, I'm not beating myself up or, or even like you said, like a shame spiral just because I want to go get a coconut latte. Your nails done. Yeah. Yeah. Like- or my nails done. Yeah. <laughs> No, and that, that's one of the big things that I differ on with Dave Ramsey. So Dave Ramsey is a firm believer that debt, you know, is really kind of the root of all shackles or evil in a lot of regards. And I, I am all for finding the system that works for you. So, if, you know, anyone mm-hmm. listening is works with Dave Ramsey's programs. Like, absolutely. If, if it works for you, like, I am not going to knock it for that because there are so many different ways to get to the same end goal. But I'm a firm believer that you really can have your cake and eat it too. And in my opinion, it is so much easier to make an extra thousand dollars a month than it is to try and save a thousand dollars or cut a thousand dollars in expenses from your budget. Because you hit a point where you just can't cut any more out. And then you're focused on like, oh, I can't have that. It's like dieting. You know, oh, I can't have that thing. I can't have that sweet. Well, if you ever have gone on a diet, what do you want more than anything? Food and candy and sweets. And it's all you can think about. And it's the same way. When you put yourself on a really strict budget, it's miserable. And for a lot of us, if you have credit card debt, student loans, and a mortgage, I'm going to be really honest. That's not getting paid off in the next two years. So if you're looking at something that's sustainable, it needs to be sustainable in the long term. Can you sustain that strict of a budget? And I'm actually writing a really controversial article this next week for Thrive Global um, about debt and about how budgeting is actually keeping you broke because you're focusing on scarcity and lack mentality. And it, it just really, it make you bring into your life more of what you focus on. So if you're focusing on not having enough and on decreasing, then you're not looking to expand your income and to look for opportunities because you're so focused on contracting. Oh my goodness. That's so good. Kayla, I need you to like pull that out and make it a billboard. <laughs> Um, I often talk to Kayla in my podcast, even while the audience is listening. They just they just get to know Kayla throughout the process. I love that. No, that's fantastic. <laughs> okay. So 
I want to dive into um, really the meat and potatoes of what we're going to be chatting about today. I wanted to hear your philosophy behind that because I think it's so, so important for someone who's listening to this episode to not only understand what the topic is, and our topic is going to be photography do's and don'ts for taxes, but I want you guys to understand where Caitlin's coming from, who she is as a person, because this is someone, when it comes to managing your money, you really want in your corner. So someone who, now that you've talked to her, heard with her, listened to her for a little bit, um, you know, you guys can can really listen to what she has to say because she is 100% just wanting you to bring your business to the next level, hit the goals that you're wanting to hit, whether that's building a, a brand that you retire from or you retire early from or sell, or even if it's something that you just want to keep as a side hustle while you work your corporate job. So, uh, Caitlin, let's go ahead and dive into some easy photography do's and don'ts for taxes. Okay. So all of this, I'm going to preface by saying, please, if you are not where I lay things out, do not beat yourself up about like, Oh God, I, I, could, I didn't know that. I can't believe that. Like you could only do what you know. So my biggest thing that I recommend is like, know better, do better. So if you're here and you're listening to this, Obviously you're trying to improve yourself and I think we're all working on self-improvement. So take what you can from this and implement where you can and start rolling things out. But please don't beat yourself up because so much of this information, if you've Googled it or if you've talked to friends, you're going to have competing information everywhere. And it it really can just like make you feel like you have Tweety birds flying around your head. It's a mess. (laughs) So we're going to make it really simple. And like the, the top actionable steps you can take that really move the needle forward. And the first one is if you don't have a separate business bank account or even a separate account that you dedicate to your business, number one, if you did nothing else this entire year, that would get you so much further in your goals to grow your business and to be able to understand if your business is profitable. Because for sole proprietors and for single member LLCs, you don't legally have to have a separate bank account. The IRS looks at your business income as part of your personal income. So there's nothing legally wrong with it. However, it makes it a mess come tax time because I had a dear, dear client that had 12 accounts, you know, between credit cards and PayPal and bank account and everything else that were personal and business. She took God, probably a week and a half plus going through line by line and highlighting all of her business expenses. And even then you, she probably missed some because if you don't know that it's for sure business, you have to err on the side of being safe because it's right. better to not claim it than to get audited and not back it up. So separating it and running everything through all expenses, all income through one account will if you ever work with anyone that does your taxes, we'll make them like want to just kiss your cheeks because it is so much better than trying to like hodgepodge it together. So number one, and with that, if you are a single member LLC, you, if you don't have a separate bank account, you actually waive a lot of those inherent liability protections. If you don't have the separate bank account. So people don't know that they're like, Oh yeah, I'm an LLC. Everything's fine. My personal assets are protected. Well, they're only protected so much. Um, like if you actually keep your business and treat your business as a separate entity from your personal. So again, even though legally there's nothing wrong, if you were to be sued and you were to be keeping all of your business transactions in a personal account, it then can say that you have quote pierced the corporate veil, which means that your personal assets are not protected in the way that you think they're protected by having an LLC. 
So if you're going to have an LLC, it's even more important that you have a separate bank account. So that's, I mean, kind of part 1A and 1B, but that's the biggest thing that you could do to move the needle forward. The next one would be keeping receipts. And this, I'm not saying keeping the physical receipts, please, dear God, keep digital (laughs) receipts unless you love keeping the paper receipts Um, because the paper receipts fade and they fade very quickly, especially if they're crumpled up in your wallet. Ask me how I know. Um, (laughs) So with that, you, there are like three different options to keep receipts. You can keep them in your accounting software. You can keep the one other four, keep them in your accounting software. You can scan them. You can keep the physical copies or you can put them in Google Drive. All of these require, for the most part, taking pictures and digitizing them. Google Drive is the lowest cost option. However, if you're looking to grow your business, and this will lead us into point three in a minute, having an accounting software set up is really important, um, especially with all of this you know, corona craziness that we've had. I have clients that have been trying to apply for the PPP or the EIDL, and the clients that have accounting software set up, it took us 15 minutes the clients that didn't have accounting software set up, it took like hours because you have to go pull that financial information, create financial reports. And that's, that's just one really small example. If you're looking to buy a house, if you're looking to really know your numbers and assess your business health, having accounting software makes a really big difference. And when I say accounting software, I mean something like Zero or QuickBooks. And for those of you listening, Zero is X-E-R-O. I don't get compensated by either of them. I wish I did. Um, Zero is hands down my favorite. QuickBooks is the one that everyone knows about. And if QuickBooks works for you, hands down, again, like we talked about before with Dave Ramsey, if it works for you, use it. Both of them have very similar functionalities. I am a firm believer that zero one has connectivity to more softwares and two is much more difficult to mess up if you were doing your own bookkeeping, but they will both get the job done. They both have receipt capturing functions, meaning that you can take a picture and you can actually tie that receipt to your expense in that software. So if you're audited, you could literally give them a login for the auditor if they needed it. And you could be like, here you go. And they could see the scanned copy of every single receipt that you've put in with the expense that it's associated with, which is fantastic. Wow. Okay. So let me, um, let me ask you while we're yeah. on this. I, okay. So I talk a lot about like CRMs, it makes your life easier, blah, blah, blah. So would something like Dubsado, HoneyBook, 17 Hats, like would that be something that our listeners could use for accounting software? That is a great question. So I call those accounting light. Um, my, they are better than nothing, but they don't allow you to, and this may have changed, but as of the last time I'd been in there, which was like a month ago, they don't allow you to reconcile and they don't allow you to do journal entries. And both of these can be really, and frankly, the reporting features can be a little mm, depending. I think they're great for CRM purposes. I do not think they're great for accounting. So normally what I recommend And so you're looking generally at QuickBooks or zero, you're looking at about $30 a month. It's not the end of the world. Yes, I understand it's it's an expense, but we as service-based business owners have such lower overhead than traditional brick and mortars that I feel Mm. like people will get, Mm. you know, hung up on like, oh my God, it's another, yes, but like you don't have rent unless you have, you know, an office, like the the barrier to entry is so much lower. Uh, And $30 is not the end of the world. Now, granted $30 a month, if you're not using it, obviously not worth it, but my recommendation is to normally use both of them in conjunction. So most of my photography clients use Dubsado with Zero, or, you know, HoneyBooks with QuickBooks, or they use 17 hats or a couple of them use, I think it's Tave. Yeah, Tave. Um, 
in conjunction. Yeah. So they do. And the ones that have me do their books, we, I basically connect, they do everything. They don't touch their accounting software. Um, I mess with their accounting software. And then I have ones that do it themselves or that do their invoicing. Um, some of them want to keep their invoicing in their CRM, which I totally respect, but essentially to really feel like a, a legitimate business, you need to have both eventually. Would I love for Dubsado or HoneyBook to come out with a better accounting option? Yes, but that's also not their primary focus. Their primary focus is delivering a really bang up CRM option. Right. And they do a great job with that. Awesome. Yeah. So with receipts, one thing to remember, um, anything $75 or over, the IRS wants a copy of. And when I say receipt, I mean an invoice. I mean a receipt. I mean a sales order. I don't mean like the line transaction on your bank statement, because if the IRS goes and they look at that, they're going to be like, Oh great. You went to Amazon. How do we know what you bought was business related or you went to target? Was that groceries or was it a calendar for your office? So that's where the receipt or the sales order holds more information. So $75 or more is the rule of thumb. Um, you want to have a receipt when possible. That does not mean that if the IRS comes through and audits you, you're going to automatically like, you're, you're not going to jail because you claimed something and you didn't have the receipt. The worst case scenario here, cause I get asked this a lot. The worst case scenario is if they deem that it's not a justifiable, justifiable business expense, you just wouldn't be able to take that deduction for that year that they were auditing. And you would owe some back taxes because you would have a little bit higher taxable income. So this is not like, as long as you're not knowingly and intentionally trying to defraud the government, you are not like, it's not as scary as everyone makes it out to be, but keep your receipts when possible, especially for photographers, travel and meal expenses and travel and meal expenses do not have a dollar threshold. The IRS wants receipts for all of those because those are the areas in which fraud can be committed the easiest. Mm -hmm. So you want to think about justifying those because like, you know, of course, I want to go to Tulum and write it off as a business expense. And for photographers, you absolutely can, assuming you have a wedding or an engagement session or something that you're doing there, but you just want to have justification and justification can be as simple as like, here's my airline ticket, here's my food, and here's the contract for the wedding that I did while I was there and the pictures like, bam, that's the really nice thing is photographers do have like great proof that they were in the place that they said they were at. Okay. So then like something that a lot of people don't know. Yeah. So then if they're talking about travel and the wedding is on Saturday and that's the day that they're contracted for, then they decide to, you know, get there Monday and spend a week. How does that work as far as taxes go? Do they get the week because they're supposed to be there Saturday? (laughs) Good. That is it's such a good one. There are just th- things that I get asked all the time that I don't always remember to, to bring up, but no, that is a really common one because we've all done that. I do it with a lot of business mm-hmm. conferences too. If I'm in like San Diego, I'll tack on extra days. So the lovely thing is the IRS understands and they're not like, they're not unreasonable with this, but you get a day before and a day after your event. So for example, in this case, if you're only contracted for one day and it's Saturday in this example, you get Friday and you get Sunday that things can be a write-off. So regardless, say you're flying, we're going to say that it's Tulum because it's just easy. So you're flying to Tulum. Your flight regardless is a write-off because you would have had to go for the event. Um, Your hotel or accommodations are a write-off Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, and then your food and like taxi to and from the airport, those three days would also be a write-off. Now, the question that I'll get sometimes is like, oh, well, what about, um, you know, I went to a museum. 
No, you don't get to write the museum off unless you were taking your couple to the museum to go do something specific for the shoot, then yes. But like if you were going to go, you know, sightsee or play tourist, those things, you need to be using your discretion here because again, everything that you're doing is building a case to tell the IRS if you're audited, like, yeah, this is, this was a valid business expense and here's why. So they don't care if you want to go, like if you want to bring a spouse, your spouse can go and your spouse can stay in your hotel room or your Airbnb, even if you were just there for those three nights. And it's still the exact same write-off because there's no increased cost to you there. But in that example, like your meals, you'd only be writing off half of your meals because your spouse is not a write-off, you know, right. unless they're a videographer or a part of your team, in which case it would just be like taking an associate with you. So you can tack that on and whatever would like, basically you can tack personal onto the beginning or the end, but whatever would have been required if you took those personal days out is what you get to write off essentially. So like the meals the day before the meals, the day of the meals, the day after transport to and from the airport and then accommodations for those nights. Awesome. Okay. Perfect. What's the next one? Yeah. Great question. Thank you. Yeah. No, that, that, well, because, and that's one of the beautiful things, like so many photographers are able to travel the world and, you know, get paid mm -hmm. to do so and they want to, be able to make the most of it. So yeah, absolutely. And by all means, like it's not an, it doesn't make you a higher audit risk. If you stay for personal things, just make sure you're keeping your receipts and you're documenting things. And by having the contract, having the photos and having receipts, like you're, you're in a great position at that point. So, and that's just, that's just sure another, that. another reason why contracts are so daggone important. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because it legitimizes everything, not only protecting you and your, you know, client, but also like legitimizing your business activities for tax right. purposes. Yeah. And that's something that doesn't get talked about a lot. Um, so I was just completely lost my train of thought. On what my <laughs> last one was going to be, uh, Oh, mileage, mileage. No, you're fine. I had it and it just like, pew. but mileage is a big one. So with travel and this kind of dovetails off of that, one of the biggest write-offs you can have as a photographer is mileage. And I want you to understand that there are some really small, but important sort of caveats to understand with it. Mileage is when you are taking your own personal vehicle or a spouse, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't matter when you are taking your personal vehicle and you are driving to and from a client meeting, a client session, a wedding, a continuing education thing, meeting with an associate shooter, any of those things that are business, legitimate business expenses, you can take your mileage. And what I mean by that is you are going to track your miles driven. There are plenty of apps. Uh, mile IQ. There's, there's so many quick, quick with self-employed has one. I don't love self-employed for other reasons, but their mileage tracking is great. There are playing, or you can use an Excel spreadsheet. I don't normally recommend that for photographers because there's so many more trips being made for someone service-based like me. It's great. Um, cause I don't have nearly as many, but if you are taking mileage, you cannot deduct your gas and your vehicle expenses. However, and I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. When you are traveling and you are renting a car, that is the exception. You have your rental car prices a write-off. If you have to get insurance, you have your rental car insurance and you have your gas and you have your tolls. All of those are legitimate business write-offs, but, but you don't take mileage on those. When you travel and you take a rental car, you don't deduct mileage. When you take a personal car, you take mileage because you are better off 99.9% .9 of the time taking the standard mileage deduction, which has been anywhere between 54 cents and I think 58 and a half cents over the last several years, because that includes gas, wear and tear on your vehicle, and just general maintenance. 
So it's significantly higher because we're not actually paying, especially right now, we're not actually paying 58 cents a mile in gas fees right now. So you can actually, I mean, most photographers have like five to 12,000 miles they drive a year. You're looking at like a $7,000 tax deduction if you do the standard mileage write-off. Like it is a huge one. But when you do it, the goal is to track your personal miles, track your business miles, and then track where you started at the beginning of the year. If you don't know where you started at the beginning of the year, don't freak out. Look at your mileage at your oil change closest and you can approximate. The biggest thing is that you are tracking and can verify business miles because that's where the deduction comes in. Wow, that's crazy. I didn't realize it would be that high of a deduction, but that totally makes sense. Yeah, it's huge. It's it's literally the single, for most photographers, that and uh, potentially like associate photographers or if they upgrade from Canon to Sony one year, those are like the top three biggest expenses that I see or like write-offs. Equipment upgrades, contract labor, and mileage. But mileage is almost always the biggest one. Wow. Okay. All right. So do you have another do for us? Those are really the biggest do's. The biggest don'ts are a much smaller list. And the don'ts are don't treat your business like it's your personal, like, piggy bank, treat your business like it's a separate business. And like we talked about by setting up a separate bank account, by setting up an accounting software, you are able to look at your money making activities and to also, and registering your business would be, you know, one of the do's, but that's not, that's not as vital as having a separate bank account. Because again, it lets you separate that data out to see like, oh, maybe you thought you booked a bunch of elopements this year, but in reality, most of your income came from portrait sessions or family sessions. You don't know that until you sit, I mean, you can have a gut feeling, but it's amazing how often people are Mm. like, oh, wow, I didn't realize I made that much more or that much less because your gut feeling, just because it's something you may talk about more with couples or with, you know, clients doesn't mean it's your biggest money maker. And so that's a really big thing to be able to assess on like a quarterly and an annual basis is like, where are, and what are you like doing the most? Because if you don't love doing what you're doing or, you know, where you're tweaking your business, it lets you have the data to make the changes to love what you're doing more. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I think it's so important that, and I see it so often, especially with photographers where when they're not doing what they really love, whether it, you know, they think they should be a wedding photographer, but they love newborn sessions or vice versa. And then they're just, they've been at it for a couple of years and they're just like, I'm done. I'm burnt out. I'm exhausted. I can't do this. I have, you know, there's no joy, blah, blah, blah. You know, it goes back to. That is very real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I love that. No, that's, okay, so, those so are really, I have, yeah. So here's a huge question that I see pop up in groups over and over and over again. Can, or maybe not can, but should businesses accept Venmo as a payment for services? Uh, so no, they should not, but most of them do. There is now, I believe, Venmo for business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, but the reason I use Venmo for bit most times, like under the table kind of is because there's no fees or there's, you know, 1% yeah. fees depending on like what you're doing, but Venmo for business charges fees. So you're better off in my opinion. So one, don't use Venmo unless you have to use it. Don't be paying your second shooters that way. And I, I could like rant on that forever. Legitimize it. Treat your business like a business. Venmo is for when you go out to brunch with your friends and you need to split the bill. Venmo is not for your business. Um, Venmo means, and I don't mean this in a bad way at all, but you're 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 playing small. 
because it says that you are trying to save what you can on fees. And I know I, I have heard people rant about credit card fees. Mm -hmm. You know what? Yeah, we're going to go back to the, you're a business. That is a cost of doing business. And if the 3% approximately that you pay drives you insane, raise your prices a hundred dollars. Right. You're, you're going to more than compensate for that, but like understand that it's a cost of doing business and you get to deduct it from your taxes in the year. You're not getting, you know, taxed on the total amount. You're getting taxed on the profit after your expenses. That's a legitimate expense. And it is a huge convenience factor in this day and age to accept credit card payments and to make it as easy as possible for your clients to give you money. Like you, you are in business to hopefully do something you love, to do something really cool in the world and to make money. Right. Like make it simple. Yeah. Well, and I think if, if you do want to avoid fees, if that is like make it or break it, then the way around that is to have them send checks and then you lose the convenience. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Or bank exactly. transfers. Yeah. So that's a, no. that's some food for thought. Yeah, exactly. And you can do, I have one photographer that doesn't accept credit cards because she's adamant about it, but there are some, yeah, you have, it takes more time to get payments, you right. know, and then occasionally she has a check that bounces and there's, there are some additional headaches that come along. So it's really just picking what matters most to you. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So if you, you've given us so many good actual tips that we can implement today. And I think I already know the answer to this because you've already mentioned it like four times, but I always ask what tip, if they did anything today, would you want our listeners to implement? Number one would be to open a separate bank account and run everything through there. Everything else receipts would be the next one keeping receipts, but yeah, everything, everything else falls below that. I need to keep so receipts. separate bank accounts and you <laughs> open one online, huh? I need to keep receipts. I'm awful. I know. I'm awful with receipts. Now, big purchases, I'm, I have like all of those receipts, but I don't think I realized it was $75 or more. So yeah, I'll uh, gotcha. need to work on yeah. that. <laughs> things like subscriptions, you know, if you have like an Adobe subscription or something else, I don't normally upload those receipts because I know I can go log in and grab all of my invoices. If I were to be audited, I keep a lot of my receipts for all the weird one-off things. That makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Okay. So I have three quick fire questions to wrap up our day and they never end up being quick fire because I'm not fast. All right. So <laughs> what is your favorite quote? Oh God. So basically anything by Amanda Francis, um, Amanda Francis is like the queen of money mindset. And she was actually really triggering for me for a long time. Cause I was like, who, who is this? Like, you know, gorgeous blonde woman that lives in Malibu. Like who does she think she is? And then I was like, <laughs> oh, if it, if it rubs me the wrong way, it's probably cause there's something for me to learn from this. And she's fantastic. Like I have completely done a 180, but like her, I'm sure she has limiting beliefs around money. I know she does as she works through, but like, holy crap, her, like, she has one that's like, I am worthy. I am confident. I am rich. I am loved. I am kind. Um, and I, so I guess I would say more of her affirmations over her quotes. And I know there was one that I had sent to you, but of course I don't remember it now. Uh, it is because I love it. It is. I get to have more than enough always. Oh, yes. Yes. That's so good. And that's, it's so, no, it is. She's, she is such a ray of sunshine and I always watch her stories because there's some really, really good stuff in there. I'll have to check her out. I've not heard of her before. If I would, if you would have told me who is, or would have asked me who the queen of money mindset would be, it would have been, and I'm going to mess up her name is Jen. Is it Sincero? Sincero? 
I don't know Chiro Sinchiro, but yes, I know exactly who yeah. you mean. She's yeah, great I as just, well. Yeah, she is. She's good. I'll have to check out Amanda Francis, though, because I need some rays of sunshine in my life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then what is your favorite business tool? Hubdoc or Zero. And Hubdoc is something that I use with clients that allows me to securely transmit files. It's got like bank level encryption. It integrates with a bunch of things. It makes my life really easy. Um, but then Zero, really for me, uh, both for me and clients, it is just, it's such an easy, simple tool to use. And it's basically like a souped up Excel sheet. And that makes me really happy because I love Excel. <laughs> I do not love Excel. <laughs> so I'm glad <laughs> That's why I have you because I don't like this stuff. <laughs> So I could live in Excel. Oh gosh, I can't. I can't even get like a couple of columns to stay put while the other ones move. So I'm awful. <laughs> it's bad. Okay, Sorry. and then if you and I were to go out for drinks, what would you be drinking? Ooh, okay, that's a really good question. I have several options. One, if we, depending on the caliber of restaurant, so like my go-to would either be a cider or a whiskey sour. Hmm. Um. But if we're at a really good Mexican restaurant, I am a sucker for a very expensive margarita made with fresh fruit juice. Oh, I like this, like, specificness of this. (laughs) I am. I don't drink often, but when I drink, I drink really good drink. That makes sense. I don't drink often either. And I normally end up still drinking like Smirnoff. (laughs) Um, I did have a white cloth for the first time a couple of weeks ago and it was actually, it wasn't bad. I was like, Oh, okay. I can see where like the hype is around these, but yeah, yeah, I just, I couldn't, my reputation can't handle it. (laughs) (laughs) I think my, my husband's doing like this whole low carb thing and he is a craft beer fanatic. Um, and he, he tries or he tried Trulies, which are similar to White Claws, and he liked them pretty well. So I think we're going to be having some of those in our house, which is fine by me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, I cannot imagine doing I'm not a beer drinker, but doing low carb and like being a beer drinker is like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's killing him. It's so funny. All right, oh. Caitlin, thank you. Yeah, so go ahead. Oh, no, no, I was just gonna say like my, my dad is a beer drinker and he's given it up and he just, he was like, yeah, I don't miss it anymore. Um, but no, this has been, this has been so much fun. I love doing podcasts. They're just, they make me so happy. And like, you're just always so fantastic. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much. I am really, really excited. I'm so glad we were able to connect. You gave some amazing nuggets for our audience and you are going to be coming onto my Instagram stories and answering some questions, right? I am. Yay! Okay. We will be looking forward to that. Thank you guys so much for joining again, and we will catch you next time. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode on the Success Beyond the Lens podcast. If you love what you heard today, could you do me a favor? Could you grab a screenshot of the episode and then send it over to your Instagram stories and tag me at Success Beyond the Lens podcast? I love hearing from our audience to see what you guys are loving. And if you really love me, if you could go over to iTunes and subscribe and leave us a review, I would appreciate it so much. Can't wait to talk to you guys next week. 